So tonight, I hope that our approach of God and the Word of God is that we're thankful that His Word helps us and molds us and shapes us. I was not thankful at the time I was being punished by my parents, but as I got older and people complimented my brother and I on how we behaved in public, and, and, and seeing later on as an adult and then me having children of my own was thankful that they were relatively strict and protective. Light bulb comes on. I now see that they were trying to protect me. I thought they were a little too much until I asked if my buddy could spend the night at our house one time, and, and my mom said yes. And I said, hey, call your mom and see if you're allowed. He said, I don't have to call my mom. We were 13. I said, what do you mean you don't have to call your mom? He said, I don't have to call my I said, you're not going to come home tonight? Your mom doesn't care where you are? No, I do it all the time. And in that moment, as a 13-year-old, when I had curfews and things had to be in, I understood how could a mother not have some rules to protect her son? And so hopefully you see the Word of God tonight, and you see this, that God... In his, in his love was trying to protect in this situation, trying to provide escape. But Lot had other plans. So that's the story we're going to talk about tonight. And I really want you to see how we can get ourselves into trouble, but how God is constantly trying to get us out of trouble. But the choice is ours. And even though he tries and tries and tries, it could um, we can put ourselves in a position to be outside of his protection and we're going to see it here Genesis 13 starting at verse 8 this is um, the story of Abram Abraham later becomes Abraham, Abram right here, um, and Lot. Starting at verse 8, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. Now, this is interesting here, and again, we're going to kind of go through this a little bit at a time, and I'm going to just kind of park here and there. This is interesting because Abram was the uncle. He should have been the rightful one to say, I will pick first and then give you what's left. But it's interesting that he didn't do this, that, that he, in this, this, this godly fashion, decided, you know what, I'm going to give you first crack because I am so blessed, I know God will be with me, so I'm going to let you pick first. Now, I would have hoped that I would have been the individual that would have said, no, no, uncle, you go first. And if we'd had this battle back and forth, no, you go first, no, you go first, then I would have surveyed the land, and because he's my uncle and because I would have respect him as an elder, I would hope that I would have been the guy to say, okay, I'm going to take the least and give my uncle the best land. I would hope that I would have been that guy. We don't know until we're in those situations, but looking at this story, I would have hoped that, but that's not what Lot did. And Lot, verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. That nice, beautiful area that was just described here. He said, I'll go ahead and take that one. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Now, this, is, this wasn't a problem here. It was that they were becoming so wealthy with cattle and livestock that they would just decimate an area. So that it, was, it was becoming too much of a conflict, and his servants and and his, his, his staff was, was, was getting in conflict with, with uh, uh, Lot's staff. And so all this was happening. So it would have been, they realized it's best if we just kind of separate so that we can take our cattle and not overgraze an area. 
or whatever the livestock was. And so that's what this was. It wasn't conflict, but they saw that potentially conflict was coming, so let's go on ahead and separate. And so they separated one from the other. Verse 12, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Get in this passage that he is he is pitching camp towards those cities in the plain. He's in there where it's 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 attractive, it's lush, it's lavish. He took the first choice, but the Bible says that he he based camp towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Towards Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah were sister cities. Sodom and Gomorrah was not the same city. It was two separate cities. There was five cities in this plain that are mentioned. And so Sodom and Gomorrah were these sister cities. Zoar, consequently, was another one of the sister cities that was in this area. I'll show you a map here shortly and show you how this is laid out. But but So he, he goes on ahead and decides with all the land, and I'm also going to, to point camp towards Sodom. This is very important. Because what you set your eyes or your emotions towards is where you're going to end up. Now, in this moment, he is with a godly man. Understand this. It doesn't matter who your uncle is. doesn't matter who your best friend is. doesn't matter who your daddy is. doesn't matter who who your relative is, that's a great preacher, that's a great man of God. doesn't matter how I, I had the picture up of my grandmother Sunday. Great, godly woman. It doesn't matter, though, how godly she is when I go to stand before the Lord. I will stand before him judged on my criteria that he has for me out of his word and how I followed it, not based on Josephine Dudek. Now, thank God I had a godly grandmother that I had a lot of benefits. Lot here has a lot of benefits of being connected with Abram. The man of faith, the father of many nations, had this connection with him. But that only goes so far. There is blessings of being connected to the people of God. There's blessings in being connected to a person of God that's connected to God. But make no mistake about it, you can be connected to a person that's connected with God and you still not be connected to God. It still could be that we end up in a situation where we go stand before him and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And so in this passage, he will come back to this, but he, 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 he bases camp towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. We go forward several chapters and we go to Genesis 19 and we'll pick up the story. And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat at the gate of Sodom. Well, wait a minute. I, I, thought, I thought he was out in the plains, and I thought he just made camp towards the city that was probably so that he could go into the city to buy provisions and go back out into the plains and go back into the city and buy some more supplies and go back out and and, and go back in and get some entertainment and come back out and go back in and now we see a few chapters later we don't know how long this was but isn't it interesting that now we see lot in the gates of sodom Please hear me when I say that if you flirt with certain things, you will end up in the middle of it. This isn't Pastor Pelham's uptight tonight. This isn't my time to bust your chops. I'm a pastor. I'm a father. As a police officer, as a doctor... I'm saying something tonight to try to help you understand how this works. Please understand the spirit world. 
Please understand that all your cartoons that your kids are watching are not harmless just because they're called cartoons. Please hear me. Please hear me as a pastor, as a former youth pastor, that every game that seems harmless because it's PG is not harmless. Please ever understand that everything that's, that's geared towards your teenager and towards your children in the movie theater is not really for suitable for children. There's agendas. There are things in disguise. And what we see here is that, that Lot is now in the city. Now he's in the gates. Now this is interesting because uh, these angels came and, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Now, whether he was an official or not, typically... From what I understand about biblical times, those that sat in the gate, we'll see another occurrence like that when, when Absalom is sitting in the gate area and, and he's telling people, well, if I, were, if I were my dad, if I were David, I would, I would judge differently. I would hear your case. I know he's busy, but I would hear your case and I would judge in your favor. Sitting in the gates were like the important men. Sitting in the gates just was not, from what I understand, was not just a common place like sitting in the middle at the mall while your wives are shopping. Sitting in the gates was kind of a status thing. So here we see Lot at one point in the plains, and now he's sitting in the gates. Seemingly a place of prominence. He's already infiltrated. He's already gotten so accustomed to things that he's now one of them. How did this happen? A little bit every day. Selling your convictions. Not listening to the voice of God. Not listening to the word of God. Not following the godly examples that are around you. Not following advice. Not following what, what godly people would tell you. What, what would it, I, know, I know Lot didn't have a bracelet. What would Abraham do? But he should have. Because it would have saved him a lot of mess. Because Abraham, before this story, is outside of the city begging God. God so God gives a message. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He knows my nephew's in there and his family and his herdsmen. God, will you not destroy this if there's 50 righteous? He knew how many that were with Lot. He knew how many herdsmen. He knew how many people were there. So, so Abraham is interceding. Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for people that will, that will beseech God and say, God, will you please spare my nephew? Will you spare my son? Will you spare my wife? Will you spare my family? Will you spare my neighbor? Somebody to stand in the gap and to, to make up a hedge and somebody to stand in place and say, God, please don't do it yet. God, please give them some time. And God says, okay, I'll give them some time. But understand this, judgment is still coming. Will you do it for 50 it's, it's, I don't know if it's hilarious or pathetic to watch this deal with Abraham. It's just interesting to me. Because he, he gets so flowery with the speech the first couple times he does it. Oh, think it not bad of me, Lord. Um, can I just ask you just one more, you know, question, pretty please? I mean, this is not King James, obviously, but, but he, he just says this, this real flowery thing. He says, would you, would you consider 45? Okay, if there's 45 righteous, I won't destroy the city. He says the same speech, and he says, well, but, uh, you know, just could, could you just give me one more do-over? Could you, could you give me one more chance? Would you, would you not destroy it for, for 40? And God says, okay, 40. About 30. He's like an auctioneer, but he's going backwards. He gets to 10. You're going to see in this story, Lot, his wife, two daughters in the house, and the angels say, go to your daughters and sons-in-laws. There's at least two daughters, which would mean two son-in-laws. That gives us two left of maybes. Now, 
we don't know how many daughters, but we know there were two in the house, and he said, go tell your sons and daughters-in-laws. So we know that there had to be eight. I'm assuming there was a couple more married. They had larger families back then. Or that somebody had a kid or two. Here's what I think. I think Abraham whittled it down so far that he thought, I know for a fact at least Lot's got to be saved. Lot's immediate family, Lot and his wife and his kids, and of course his grandkids, they have to be saved. So when he got to 10, he didn't ask for five. He didn't ask for two. Because he knew he could stop at 10 and feel like, okay, I, I know at least. I don't know about the herdsmen's. They were kind of shady anyway. But Lot and his wife and his immediate family, they got to be saved. They've been with me long enough. They have to know better. You would think. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know better? He did, but did he act on it? How many would agree that Lot knew enough to behave himself and do the right things? Well, let's see how he did with that. And Lot sat at the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. Talking about the two angels that came. And he bowed himself with his face towards the ground and said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, unto your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, or no, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and, did, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around. They circled the house, both old and young. Don't miss that part. It was so, such a horrible city that the, that the, the grown men and the young men, which learned from the old men, right? They, they learned from the elders. both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. That we know what that means. And Lot went out into the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly behold now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do ye to them as good in, in your eyes. Only to these men do nothing. How far has Lot gone at this point? Were this, I'll use the term loosely here, father says look I have two young daughters that have never been with a man let me let, let me bring them out here to this mob and do whatever you want with them only leave these two alone how many believe this really happened now, I'm not just talking about a story here how far off the rails from being every day in pastures and going from hillside to hillside with the man after God's own heart, a friend of God, a man of faith, where the lineage of, of Israel would come out of, and, and, and there's two nations that came out of Abraham. There's, the, there's, there's, there's Ishmael and the nations that came out of Ishmael, and then, and then the chosen child Isaac that, 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 that the... Uh, that the um, nation of Israel comes out of traveling with him and now here you are you don't even have any godly principles left
Let me bring them out to you and do to them as is good as in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof, and they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. In other words, these men are saying, This guy is a visitor to our town. Talking about Lot. This guy was a sojourner. This guy is a guy that is a, a visitor to this place. He's not even from here. And now he's going to tell us who's wicked. He's going to be our judge. Now he's going to tell us what's right and wrong. And they say, we're going to do with you worse than what we were going to do to them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Now remember how wicked this city is, right? We get how wicked they're trying to break in to do this wicked thing. This is incredible what's about to happen here. This is absolutely incredible. And what's incredible is we see it happen every day in people's lives. Not this exact story, but how people continue to go back to wickedness, how people continue to go back to things that are going to destroy them instead of doing the safe thing and going to the safe place God wants them to be. And they pressed sore upon the man even lot and came near to break the door. But the men, talking about the angels, put forth their hand and pulled Lot. Now we see the mercy of God and these angels that are now saying, Look, we're, even though Lot is still saying this, this, this stuff about, you know, I'm going to give you my daughters, uh, just do unto them. And they say, Okay, we're going to intervene. So what they do is the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot back into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. How many would believe? that God is intervening right here. How many would believe that God is saying, I'm still going to intervene. I'm still going to help. I still want to try to get you to a safe place. I still want you to do the right thing. I have a good plan for you. Everybody say a good plan. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. So that they wearied themselves to find the door, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou any besides son-in-laws, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whosoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. So we know that there wasn't enough found to not destroy the city, so destruction is coming. Because there wasn't ten. So God sent the angels and said, okay, basically to Abraham's cry, there isn't ten, so I'm going to destroy him, but I'm still going to get your family out. Wax and gray before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters. Two girls at home that had never been with a man. These are daughters, two, at least two, with their husbands. And Lot went out and spake to his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. They started mocking and making fun of him. Why? Because Lot is talking about this God stuff that's happening. They haven't heard Lot talk about God stuff in quite some time. So now he's coming with this story. You see, if he had a relationship with God, if he had if he had time with the family, they knew he was a godly man, and they watched him walk with convictions and watched him walk with some purpose and destiny, watched him rule and govern his life by the word of God and by the things of God, he would have went to them and said, Sons, I've heard from God. There's two angels at my house right now, and they would have been all ears. And God has come to rescue us. Get your things. Let's go. Okay, we'll get our things and go. But there's out of, out of the blue, seemingly, I'm reading between the lines here, but because he's now in the gates of the city, he used to live in the plains. Now he's in the city, and now the, everybody knows who he is, and now he's, he's, he's willing to give his daughters for this mob. I would assume that when he starts talking about godly things, they go, what are you talking about? You haven't talked about God in quite some time. Now you're talking about this big God moment where you've heard from God, he's going to destroy the city, and there's, there's these angels at your house. That's what I think took place right here. 
Verse 15, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, let's review, shall we? Mob comes. break down your door and to have their way with these men. You offer your daughters up. And the angel's the only thing that saved your daughters. This mob is now telling you, you're a guest in our city. We'll, we'll do worse to you than we're going to do with them and your daughters. And he's lingering? You see, it's easier to see when it's Sodom and Gomorrah. Dun, dun, dun. But what if it's the sin that's trying to destroy you? Hollywood. Pornography. Alcohol. Drugs. Some illicit affair outside of your marriage. Sex outside of the boundaries of marriage. Sex addictions. Different different things that are trying to destroy you. But you linger. Just another day. One more chance. They were going to absolutely destroy him and he knew it. It's not in my notes, but there's something called the uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome is it's a very peculiar thing, and I see it happen all the time with Christians. Stockholm Syndrome is when somebody is kidnapped, they spend so much time with their kidnappers that, that they become... Um, connected to them. And I'm trying to think of the term, but they become friends with them and they be, they, they become um, um, just connected to them. The word will come to me and if you know it, shout it out. But 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 you be bonded, attached. So 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 all of a sudden now you don't want to turn your captors in. Because You've got this connection with them. You'll go to great lengths to keep them from getting caught. You'll help them not get caught. It's Stockholm Syndrome. And so we see right here, you would think that Lot would be like after he just, the night before, had this frightening experience, you would think would have scared him to death. Don't we all get scared to death once in a while? We think we're going to get caught. We think something's going to happen. And then we get a little space, a little time, and all of a sudden, well, I didn't get caught, and we start feeling bold again. Start feeling bulletproof again. Start feeling like, well, it's not so bad. And then, then another scare happens. And then we, we think, well, maybe we've got to better get right. Maybe we've got to get this thing right. Maybe we ought to get back to church. Maybe we ought to recommit our lives to God. And then with a little bit of space and time, it's and then all of a sudden that captor, that thing that's trying to destroy you, you make friends with. And so... We remember how horrific this situation was for Lot that the angels jerked him in the house and gave the city, gave the guys blindness, and now he lingers. What in the world? What I want you to do right now is see if there's anything that you are dealing with right now. Don't just don't just say, wow, Lot was crazy. I want you to look at anything that is trying to destroy you, and are you lingering? It doesn't end up so well. I hate to, hate to, hate to. Spoiler alert. It doesn't end well for Lot. Wait a minute, but you said God did everything to try to save him and help him. Yes, He did, and it doesn't end well for Lot. Man, aren't you glad you came tonight? 
Because I'm trying to help us tonight and me to never have the Stockholm Syndrome. To realize that these things that are trying to kill me spiritually and otherwise will if I let it. And only if I let it. It has no power. But crazy lot lingers. This is a liberating message. Because it didn't have to end this way. I could mention names I've seen in youth ministry, in my adult ministry, pastoring. Their names aren't lot. Their names aren't real biblical. They're names that are current. They're names that are common. And I've seen marriages. I've seen lives lost. I've, I've seen it. I've preached the funerals. where somebody lingers. God's all around them. The dream team. I've seen family members with the dream team around them. When you look at who God had placed in their life, there is an absolute dream team of people in their life from pastor to friends that have gone through similar things to family members on this side of the family that's gone through similar things with that person in this area of their life. This other layer, other area of the life though those family members can't relate to. But the other side of the family can. And I've watched people in churches that I've pastored have an absolute dream team around them. Linger in Sodom. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hands of his wife and upon the hands of his two daughters and the Lord being merciful unto him and they brought him forth and set him without the city. It's like the angels are like looking at each other and go, are you, are you serious? He said, let's go and he just, uh, do we have to go yet? Do we have to? They're wanting to kill you after they do unspeakable things to you and try to with us and your family. And they replay the scenario and like, why is this guy lingering? And they literally have to grab him by the hand and begin to drag him out of the city that wants to kill him. And it came to pass when they had brought forth them forth abroad, he said, escape for thy life. Look at your neighbor say it's life and death. Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain. Also look to your neighbors and say, don't look back. Looking back will get you killed. You look back at those things, and you look back at those things that you did, and look that back to what I used to be. Be very careful. When you're giving your testimony, I think you should share your testimony at time. You know what? Thank you, Nudie, for the times you share your testimony. But you know what I don't hear when you give your testimony? I don't ever hear any kind of, like, this faraway feeling that you really are bragging about it. I never hear that she's really like, you know, back in the day, I was... I was quite the abuser of, of substances. Boy, I was, you know, I, I, was quite the, I was quite the abuser of that stuff. I never hear that kind of bragging feeling. There's, there's this disdain that she has for it how, it, how it just was on its way to wrecking her, and how thankful I always hear in her voice how thankful she is for where she is now, where God has brought her from. So when she glimpses back to share a testimony, she's not like looking back going, mm, mm, mm. man, if I would have done that a little bit longer before I, you know, gave my heart to God, I could have had some more fun. Yeah, I was quite the ladies man back in the day. Yeah, I was quite the man. We used to drink and we used to, and, and, and we used to go to these clubs and man, we, we used to have a competition and you can go into all this road. And sometimes you feel, how many of you've ever felt somebody's testimony was, was almost a little too braggy. Those are people I get worried about. Cause I'm not sure you really have a hatred and a disdain for those things that were trying to kill you. It seems like you're lingering there a little bit. 
escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain. You know what he's saying? Get clear from it. Get away from it. Don't stand outside the gate and watch the hellfire brimstone come down and, and then just be standing real close. You might get hurt. Get as far away from this as you can. Whatever that thing is that's, that's trying to get a hold of you or has a hold of you, my advice to you is the same that God sent these angels to tell Lot. And that is if you're going to save your life, you better get as far away from this mess as you can. And don't look back. Follow me on this. Neither stay thou in the plain. Escape to the mountain. If you can pull that picture up for me. So here we have here Sodom. For those of you over here. Sodom right here. Gomorrah, two sister cities. Zoar still in the plain. There's also two other uh, two other um, sister cities. Now there's some speculation that perhaps Sodom and Gomorrah were here. Most maps I've ever seen Sodom and Gomorrah is on this side, not this side. But you have Zoar here, and you have Amnah, and then there's one other that's below the picture here. Uh, this this the this the fifth city: Sodom, Gomorrah, Zoar, uh, Adama, and then there's another one down here. Notice that Zoar is the closest one to Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels wanted them to go to the mountains. Here's Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a whole mountain range right here. Why the mountains? For them to be safe, go to the mountains. Well, let me just tell you, mountains generally aren't some just some straight climb, some straight escalator. It's a lot of this to get into the mountains. The Bible doesn't say this. But is it possible that when God was saying, go to the mountains, that he was going to send the destruction after they got over a major peak and was climbing down before they got up the next one, that, that all that whole destruction could have happened while they were climbing and going through this mountain and then coming over a ridge and going down and miles down in this little crevice and then climbing up the other side. Is it possible? God had shown in every instant that he was merciful. Every time he's trying to get them out of there. Every time he's trying to keep them safe. Every time he's doing something that's in their best interest. It's Wednesday night Bible study. I'm sorry. It's midweek. Everybody say it's Bible study, Pastor. Chill out. Is it possible that in these mountains, in the character of God that I see in this story, get in the mountains, get in the, let your neighbor say, get in those mountains. And so when they go into the mountains, they're, they're climbing and, 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 then, and then they go down. And they're going down several hundred yards or, or miles down. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 they hear and they see flash back there. But there's nothing to look at. Don't look back. The angels told them, don't look back. But is it possible that, that the best plan that they had was to get them so far away and so hidden in the mountain? So hidden in the high places. Because, it, again, it's not just some steady climb. It, it, it was probably has any, any mountain or large hill that I've ever climbed has always had some, some, some of this in it. I think in the nature and the character that I see just laced throughout this story, that's very possible. He's trying everything in his power to get them out of there. I don't see it in the character of God saying, hey, go up on the mountain where you have this great view so I can tempt you and then just make it nearly impossible for you to not want to turn around because you've got this, you've got this armchair view of the whole situation. I don't see that in the nature of God at all. Look not behind thee, neither stay in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Clear instructions, right? Oh, but here's Lot. 
Think you can talk any sense into Lot? Think you can make any sense to Lot? Think you can help Lot to know the will of God and to see the will of God and talk some sense into Lot? Nope. Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. In other words, I've gotten away with this before. Right? Everything else I've done, you, you've, you've come through for me. Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord, behold, now thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy. You've given me more and more mercy. He doesn't realize he's on borrowed time. Magnify thy mercy, which thou hast showed. So he knows here that he's tapping into the abundant mercy of God, and so he's going to stretch it a little bit further which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me. Let's review. God sent you angels. Those angels pulled you back in the house and saved your life. Those angels saved your daughter and your household, your daughters and your household and your wife. They blinded the men. You wanted to linger in the house. These angels pulled you out of the city and now given you directions to get to the mountain where it's safe lest you die. And you're saying, but I'm afraid of the mountains. The devil will always try to convince you that it's not safe to do his will. To be among his people, to follow the advice of a pastor, to feel, feel to follow the advice of somebody that is a godly person that's trying to speak in your life, I, I'm afraid. I've heard people say, I, "I don't want to go to church. I'm afraid the roof will cave in on me." You're not afraid of going to Walmart and the roof caving in on you. That's the devil's business. Make you afraid to do the will of God. So here goes Lot. Can you talk in any sense to Lot? Lest some evil take me. Your God and the angels are telling him to get to the mountain and he's afraid of evil. He's a liar. Afraid of evil. When has Lot ever been afraid of evil? He's lived in it. What he's wanting is an excuse. It's not really evil that he's afraid of. He wants to do his thing. And he wants to make it noble. And so I'm going to say I'm afraid of this evil. You, 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 were, you were a lead dude in the city of evil, a city that's, that's so evil it's about to be destroyed. You lived there. And now you tell me you're afraid of evil? Lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee into, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? You see, that got so ingrained in him. Let's not forget, he pitched camp towards that city. And now he cannot, he will choose not to want to get away from it. It's not that he can't. He can just walk out of the city. Thanks, angels. No, no. You don't have to tell me twice. No. Just point the way. Which mountain? You pick the mountain. I'm out of here. You don't even have to accompany me. Just just point the way and we're there. We're out. We're done with this. We're out of this. Everybody say choice. And so they bargain and say, let me go to this little city and, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also which I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither. I've seen this script, I've seen this passage, I've, I've taught on this passage a number of times. I didn't see this until this till this last week, two weeks ago when I was studying this out. Haste thee, escape thither, 
for I cannot do anything till thy come thither. How many of you always thought that while they were leaving the city, Sister Lot looked back. My whole life, I don't know because of a flannel graph that was in heresy. I don't know. I don't know why, why I always thought that. They're running out. It starts raining. Fire and brimstone. And she looks back. This scripture says otherwise. I'll read it again. Haste thee, escape there, go there. For I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Therefore the name of that city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. He's saying, I can't destroy the city till you get there. Again, the mercy of God. They get there. Everybody say then. Then, after he gets into Zoar and his family, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and they which grew upon the land. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I guess I've always assumed that they're running out of the city and she wasn't keeping up and so she was behind him and looked back. They were already in a safe place. But while they were in a place of safety, she turned back. Anybody but me ever seen Christians that had just help all around them? And they were in a place of safety? Miracles, signs, wonders, forgiveness, God operating in their life, dream team all around them, and watch somebody just turn back? It's choice. Although God's merciful, he still gives us the choice. Why did she look back? I don't know. Why would I look back? My kids are back there. Don't forget, they had some daughters and son-in-laws, probably some grandbabies back there. Maybe their home was back there. I mean, obviously their home maybe is their dream home. How many neighbors were they friends with through the years? I mean, there's a lot of good sound reasons to look back unless God says not to now I'm good for another few minutes because nobody wants to go out in this anyway so I'm good for another couple minutes so just hang tight we're going to see this through it's going to be worth the wait and I'm keeping you dry see even even in the spirit of the Lord right now I'm trying to keep you safe and so we give sister lot a hard time about looking back right But I can understand that would have been hard. Can I can I just just share some humanity with you? When Mr. Lot got his family so ingrained in that mess, I don't blame Sister Lot nearly as much as I do Mr. Lot. You should have never pitched camp towards the sin towards the wickedness towards the area you knew was a wicked area you got close to the line and then you just camped on the line and then you said why should we go to Sodom and Gomorrah and then have to go back into the plains so much why don't we just take up residence there matter of fact why don't we just sell all this livestock and get a job in the city there what sinful stuff it was a wicked city in the first place it didn't become wicked after Lot got there. It was known for its wickedness. And so he ends up there as the leader, as the priest. Parents, can I help you? Dads especially. But if you're single moms, you're the priest of your home. You're also an example, so you share in that leadership in the home if there is a, a, a family that's there together. So many parents have come to me about their kids in trouble when I've watched mom and dad pitch their camp 
near Sodom and Gomorrah and end up in it. And then come to me devastated that their kids are in trouble. You see, Mr. Lot had no idea the price he would pay for his flesh and what he wanted to do to flirt with that and tempt with that, that he would lose his wife over it because if they would have avoided Sodom and Gomorrah altogether, this is a different story. Sodom and Gomorrah gets destroyed and Abraham's out in the Canaan and, and he's out in some plains or some mountainside or on the other side of the mountain somewhere else and and there's, there's this whole different story. The men instructed Lot and his family, do not look back behind you. In order to look back, one would have to stop in the plain short of the mountain safety, which is what they did because they went to Zoar. There was no time to linger or watch the destruction. They also uh, instructed not to stay anywhere in the valley. Their lives depended on reaching the mountain. The mountains to which Lot was told to flee are the mountains of the Moabite Plateau, which I showed you there just a few minutes ago, east of the Dead Sea. Today they stand between 2,500 and 3,000 feet above the Dead Sea. They were out of the area of the plain and would be totally, that would be totally destroyed. The plain would soon be swept away. However, Lot will beg to stay in this small city called Zoar, which was still in the plains and clear view of what was going on verse 27 and abraham got up early in the morning to a place where he stood before the lord and he looked toward sodom and gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the city went up as a smoke of furnace imagine his feelings knowing that there wasn't even 10 And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar, get this, and dwelt in the mountain. Wait a minute. Isn't that where he was told to go to begin with? But what did he say? I'm afraid. Let me go to Zoar. Well, now his wife's been taken out. And so he's in Zoar. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain where he should have gone to begin with. Do you know how many people want to do the will of God after it's too late? Which is still fine. It's better, it's better than not doing the will of God. But now there's damage. Talked to a lady here a while back. And uh, she was waxing nostalgic talking about her conversion and her second conversion she's in her hospital bed in a nursing home and she's talking about how she will serve the lord and how she got away from the lord and started doing some things and then and then she came back to the lord and she started telling some of the funny stories about her and some of the sisters that were coming to the lord at the same time and some of the funny stories and then she stopped and i watched her in her hospital bed in a nursing home and a tear starts dripping off her face and she said this but my children never made it back. You see her kids, three of them, teenagers, adolescents when she left the Lord. And she talks about this come back to the Lord and how funny and humorous and this coming back to the Lord and a couple of the sisters in the church and they all come back to the same town. Thank God she was a great prayer warrior in our church. Great prayer warrior in our church taught ladies how to pray. But when she went to Zoar, she took her kids out of church with her. She made it back. To this day, none of her kids are still in church. And she's I've already preached her funeral. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt on the mountain. And his two daughters with him. Say the same thing it says in my Bible. Where he feared to dwell. Verse 
for he feared to dwell in Zoar. See, first he feared God's will, now he fears his own poor choices after the judgment, and the fruit of his rebellion cost him and his family. The Bible goes on to say, And he dwelt in a cave, and he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Now again, this is the fruit of Lot's choices. The training that his daughters received. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come unto us after this manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed for our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down or when she, uh, when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine also tonight, and thou go in and lie with him, and we may preserve seed for our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not that she lay down or when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Where did they learn this carnal, depraved concept of life? Their father. These are the same daughters that Lot offered up to the angry mob to gang rape them. And we wonder why they've come to this place of carnality. They learned it from their parents. And the firstborn bare a son. This is going to be interesting, so pay attention to these names. We're, this, we're coming to a close here. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son and called his name Benami. The same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Does the Moabites and Amorites ring a bell with anyone? Does it sound familiar? Because these are the people of, uh, of these nations. The people of God would battle these evil nations for centuries moving forward. Understand that exposure is God's last act of mercy. Some people get upset when they get caught. Please understand, that's God loving you. Why does he do it that way? Well, he doesn't at first. He'll use conviction, but when you bypass conviction and the sign is, is there and you feel in your heart that what you're doing is wrong and you go past that, well, then the Word of God, you'll read the Word of God and it will speak to you, but then you, you go past that exit and you decide, I don't want to deal with the conviction. I feel bad. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to keep doing it. Then, then the Word of God will speak to you. And then, and then others that love you and that, that, uh, that have your best interest at heart will speak to you and you will blow it off and you'll, you'll, you'll uh, decide that they're not pure in their motives or they don't know what they're talking about or they don't know really know what's going on. And so you'll bypass valuable voices in your life and then there'll be spiritual leadership that may preach a lesson like this, or they may see something, or God gives them a vision or a lesson, and they speak in your life, and you decide, I'm not going to listen to that, or I'm going to let my mind drift while the preacher's happening, while the preaching's happening. I'm going to balance the checkbook. I'm not going to hear this because it's painful and it hurts, so I'm just going to go somewhere else in my mind. And then exposure happens, or worse. The law of the harvest happens and the plant comes out of the ground. And judgment happens. And this merciful God that gave exit after exit after exit for Lot and his family. The law of the harvest happens. John Bevere told a story. Recently, I heard him talking about, he was talking about Jim Baker. Who, who remembers Jim Baker? Quickly, for those that don't know, he was a televangelist, had the most highly publicized uh, televangelism show in the world at the time, and uh, he was embezzling some money, and he had an affair with an assistant, he and another guy in their 
uh, network had a an affair with a a lady and um, and so he ended up going to prison. He ended up reading a book by John Bevere and he asked if John Bevere would come and visit him and so he did. John Bevere asked him this question. He said, um, "How did you end up here?" <clears throat> He said, how, how did you fall out of love with God? How did you do that? He said, oh, I never stopped loving God. He's like, are you kidding me? Of course you stopped loving God. How did you end up having an affair on your wife and, and, and throwing away your ministry? Of course you stopped loving God. He said, no, 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 no. I never stopped loving God. I lost the fear of God. I lost the awe and the respect of God. I got so casual with God that I just felt like I could get away with anything because I had for so long. I want us to stand. I wish this was simply a lesson that I got out of a book. I didn't. I just read the story and I saw so many lives of people that I have known through the years. And I don't know what Lot looked like. I don't know what Mrs. Lot looked like. But I know what plenty of my kids looked like that used to be in this church. That their dad's name wasn't Lot. Their mom's name wasn't Mrs. Lot. But I'd seen enough parents turn back that I've seen what's happened to their kids. Kids that were raised up in this church were bouncers and bars by the time they got out of here. Kids in this church that I've hauled to more youth rallies and, and put more miles on my car, picking them up at their home and taking them places. Only to find out that by the time they graduated out of youth ministry, they, by the time I was pastor in Circleville, they were dancing in strip clubs. How does this happen? happens when we or parents start pitching camp too close to wicked things. And instead of escaping and getting away from it, getting out of it, we linger. We're too attached. We want to stay close to it. And we don't want to get far away from it. Oh God. Lord, I ask right now that I've seen so many. Lord, if there is anyone here tonight, God, could you somehow, and I know you're faithful in this passage, and I know you're faithful in our lives now, so I'm not even sure that I could ask you. I, I, it seems to me, God, in this story, you did everything that you could to help Lot and his family. But Lord, it still didn't end well because he still made choices. He still made choices to go to Zoar. God, you wanted him to go to a high place. You had something better for him. You had something better for his family, God, but he chose Zoar. He chose to linger. He chose to stay in the plains. He chose to stay close to Sodom and Gomorrah. God, I pray that you help us tonight, Lord. God, that even if you're coming to a, a place, Lord, where you can't save us from ourselves, help us, Lord, to have a revelation. Help us to have an understanding, Lord, to go to the mountain to which you've called us, to go to a place of safety, to go to a place, God, that you have called us to be, a place, Lord, of safety, a place to get away from the wickedness, a place to get away from those things that are meant to destroy us. God, help us to make a right choice, Lord. The choice is ours, God. You gave every opportunity, Lord. You sent actual angels, Lord, to come and deliver him, and yet he still chose Zoar. Lord, I pray that you help us, Lord. I pray that you help us, Lord. God, to see it, 
God, my prayer tonight not is that you would intervene because I know that you have and I know that you will. My prayer tonight is that you wouldn't send help because I know that you have. My prayer is not that you wouldn't, that your word wouldn't be clear because it is. My prayer tonight isn't that you wouldn't send voices to people because I know this is a loving church and you send uh, you send people to other people to have a word with them. God, my prayer tonight is that we would have the courage to make the change, that we would have the courage to make the choice, the courage, Lord, to head to the mountain and to get out of the plane and go about our father's business and do what you've called us to do. God, I thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you. to a conclusion that there are many things that the key is not that God didn't do enough. I had a parent in Circleville that they didn't tell me this, and it's probably best for them and for me that they didn't tell me. But word got back to me that their mom said, how could God let my daughter get addicted to drugs? That girl was raised in our church. That mom and dad were in our church. How did God? Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he intervene? I see God intervening in this whole story. You want God's intervention? God's holding back the judgment. You want angelic visitation? Doesn't get much more powerful than that. God sends a lot of angels. Angels drag him out of the city, save him from the mob. I mean, you have to preach the story. You already heard it. Everybody say choices. Lord, as we're dismissed from this place tonight, God, I'm thankful for your mercy. God, I thank you, Lord, for your provision. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your protection. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do to try to help us and save us. Lord, give me the courage to make right choices. Give me the courage to, to choose wisely and to follow your will, to follow your word, to follow your direction, to follow what you ask me to do. Lord, I thank you for these precious people tonight. I pray that I was effective tonight and help somebody to choose properly. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. And aren't you glad he stopped the rain?